listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Since 2009, the Pharmacy Podcast has been leading podcast publications as the insider voice of the pharmacy industry. Explore the profession and business of pharmacy through audio. Join us at PharmacyPodcast.com or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any of your favorite podcast directories. Hey everyone, um, today's interview is going to be about digital health. If you are in medical affairs, if you are in marketing, if you are trying to bring your clinical trials to the market, and you're, you're trying to figure out what does the future look like, you really care about today's discussion. Um, because we're, we're going to hear about this from the person, from the horse's mouth, for lack of a better term. Um, our guest today is... Um, is the first founding director for the FDA's Digital Health Center of Excellence. Uh, from wireless policy to mobile medical apps to digital health IT strategy to general wellness to software as a medical device to innovating the FDA's regulatory approach with initiatives like the pre-certification program and artificial intelligence and machine learning. Our guest for today, guys, I mean, this guy needs no introduction. I've I've followed him for, for a while and and... I've been asked multiple times to get him on, and I can't believe I actually have him. It's, I'm very, very excited. Um, our guest today is Bakul Patel. Bakul, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, this is the Darshan Talks live stream, and um, I'm your host, Darshan Kulkarni. Um, I do have to say, um, I, I'm an attorney, I'm a pharmacist, I advise companies with FDA regulated products. Um, however, I'm not your attorney, uh, I'm not your pharmacist, and, and Bakul is not giving you any advice from the FDA necessarily. He is just giving his opinions right now. Um, I do want to also say that, especially today, it's always the case, but especially today, uh, these are considerations and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the host, the guest, or their employers. If you like what you hear, please uh, leave, a, leave a comment, please subscribe, please share, and you can always ask our guest questions. You can always find me on Twitter at Darshan Talks. Go to our website at darshantalks.com, or you can actually find Bakul uh, on uh, Twitter as well at underscore Bakul Patel, and I will actually uh, be, be uh, sending that through as well. So our guest for today, Bakul Patel. Hey, Bakul, how are you? I'm great. Thank you for the kind introduction, Darshan, and really a pleasure to be here. It's really indeed, I know we've been chatting for a while, and it finally happens. So here we are, <laughs> stars aligned. I, I'm, I'm so excited. The, the stars finally aligned. But but let's, let's sort of, you are the... the what a way for me to start 2022. I'm excited to have you on. Uh, and and this, is, this is the time that the FDA has been going through massive change. And what a time for you to be there um, seeing the FDA change. So, so let's, let's start from the beginning. You are leading the digital health effort. What does that mean to you? What is digital health? Because it's so, so wide. How do you decide where your jurisdiction starts? Well, that's actually the fun part of my job is, you know, not being bound between the bounds of like, you know, here's where it starts and here's where it ends. And and that's the that's the journey I've been in and trying to define those boundaries. But digital health is really going to be, you know, someday it's going to be just health in the way we use in digital technologies, right? But when it comes down to FDA, the way I think about it, there are portions of the spectrum of digital health, as I, as people may imagine. And it could be, you know, general wellness. People are like, it's not a device, it's not a drug, it's not something. It's just something that you're part of your life that you're digitizing. And that's something that we've been trying to like parse out, finding out those boundaries 
of when FDA has an opinion, has a, a, a requirement, a, an expectation, uh, or care that should be taken on when they're doing other therapeutics or other diagnostics for that matter. So that's sort of the world I live in. Now I think about digital health as a spectrum. I think about that as is it in the continuum, a journey for an individual. I actually don't use the word patients because digital health is not about just when you're labeled a patient, it's like goes beyond and even after somebody's a patient, right? So that's how I think about it. But digital health technologies within the subset of that, they're purviewed under FDA's jurisdiction or affects FDA's jurisdiction is something that we've been focused on. So, so you talk about the fact that you are pan, uh, uh, basically across the entire agency, uh, and and you're working with CDR, you're working with CDRH, you're working with CBAR. Um, how how do they pull you in? Because I have to imagine almost anything you do has ramifications across all the different groups. So, are you in like every single meeting? No, actually, that would be really bad, right? I mean, I think, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't think that's enough hours in a day to be in every meeting. Um, but at the same time, I think working on things that are of common interest to all centers, uh, all product areas, is something that we focus on. And it's not like uh, uh, my group or my team holds all the knowledge. I think there's lots of knowledge that that exists like, already across FTA. I think we become the, the central point where people who don't have the knowledge can come to us or want to supplement whatever they, they're looking for, they can come and come to come to us and ask my team about you know, advice, suggestions, sometimes even reviews or portions of review um, that as we uh, as products come to different parts of the agency. Now, so moving away from that a little bit at a higher level, I think we're also interested in looking at where are some policy challenges uh, and and as you read off in my in my bio, the regulatory innovation that needs that is happening through technology, but I think at the same time FTA needs to start evolving as well, and that's something that we've been actively working on uh, with other parts of the agency to start thinking about. Okay, now if somebody shows up with a you know a variable solutions in their clinical trials, or or itself as a product that uh, that is regulated as a device. How do we look at it? What things we should say that's normal uh, or what things we should say oh, that's concerning or that's something that we need more evidence on. So those questions are of common interest and if you distill everything that goes on at FTA, those are some foundational questions when new things shows up at FTA that people ask about. And I think having a center of excellence allows us to have a common conversation for all different areas. And I think we also provide this perspective that we, because we see something happening in neurology and then cardiology and something that's happening in drugs, we're able to like connect those dots and provide a consistent sort of, uh, sort of message and consistent policy or at least consistent perspectives to uh, towards all product areas. So, so you raise the idea uh, that, that we probably should talk about because it's on everyone's mind, um, the, the recent guidance that you guys put out on uh, digital health tech in clinical trials. And, and you, you referenced that with the use of mobile devices, for example. Um, so could you talk a little bit about what that guidance says and what the implications of it are? Yeah, I'll, I'll, so one 
So the first and uh, the foremost thing that I would want to say that this is a joint guidance between uh, CDRA, CDR, and CBER um, because digital health technologies are now actively being used in all product submissions when they're studying or they're being part of a product or not. And these this guidance actually basically clarifies that when you're remotely um, monitoring a subject in a study, in a trial, uh, when you're using technology to do that, what does that really, what does that, what does FDA expect you to think about? So I would ask people to like pay attention to the, to, to the concepts laid out, the considerations laid off in the laid out in the guidances. Um, we can talk a little bit more about what are the considerations, right? I think we can say, you know, things like, you know, when you use technology, don't use it for the sake of technology, uh, because obviously it's going to reduce cost without using something proprietary for for your study. Um, but I think you also have a risk to manage or considerations to think about, like are the are the subjects of the study going to um, going to charge their variables? Are they are they going to put in the drawer or are they going to misuse them in some other way? So at the end of the day, it's not about the subjects doing wrong things with the product or the technology. It's about the data that's going to be used in a study. That can you how well can you rely on it? And I think those are the things. I mean, if you look at it from that perspective, because at the end of the day, you're going to present that information to FDA or a reviewer and convince him that we did exactly what a person would do when they came to a site for the, their follow-up for in a study. But instead, we use this information that is collected, either patient-generated or patient-reported you know, or any other ways. How do we sort of uh, um, rely on that to come to that outcome that you're really looking for? So I think that's the biggest sort of uh, um, important factor that people should think about it. Which, which really, uh, this is one of the questions I've always tried to understand and, and I'm trying to figure out from the FDA perspective and I, I expect it's center specific each time, but how do you, I mean, I, I'll, I'll start from myself. I don't trust my Fitbit to tell me the number of steps I took. Because it seems like every single time I take it, I get different steps depending on whether I use the Google one, the Fitbit, or the Apple Watch. How do you help companies who are using these mobile devices, who are saying, you know what, we're going to measure X type of person taking X number of steps. Um, we, we want to measure how many steps they took and look at improvement. Uh, in, in your experience, how do you help them level set and choose the appropriate medical devices? Is that is that in the guidance or is that still outside the scope? So it's still outside the scope because we couldn't get into this level of detail, okay. right? right? But um, but you can you can imagine, um, I mean, the example that you gave about steps, right? I mean, yeah. you know, we know, everybody knows a step is a, a composite sort of representation of your motion of your arms while you're walking. Right. Um, so it's very complex. So from an engineering perspective, you can start thinking about, you know, your there's some micro sensors in your uh, on your watch, on your on your wearable device that senses bunch of motions as you're walking and passes that into into steps. Now every company is going to have a slightly different version of that. Or right. every version of one one product may have a slightly better or slightly different version of how it translated all those motions into steps versus versus the new version, right? So the, so long story short, relying on that 
absolute number of step one plus or minus one versus that. I think that is probably a a, a path that you I would suggest not to go because you you're relying on something very which has an error bar of really large values. Right. You start thinking about like and then operating within that error bars, right? Instead, if you're looking for motion or movement, which is a very different scale, and you can now derive uh, from from the number of steps somebody's taken or somebody's not taken to see if the person has moved or not moved. Now, uh -huh. those are the kind of aspects that people can start thinking about, as opposed to like going down to this detail of, oh, is it is a person taking ten steps or ten thousand steps? And right. that's where some of the some of the challenges are. And I think, and working around some of those higher level indicators uh, in your study, in your sort of in your sort of process, is going to help people to sort of start thinking about how do we sort of use technology, which is really what you're trying to do, instead of observing somebody saying, "Have you moved off your couch?" Right. Uh, you could use the technology to sort of say, "Have you moved your couch?" Right. Right. One hundred percent. So, so one of the big things you talk about and that you mention is this idea of we're collecting data. Uh, now, the, do you find yourself at FDA trying to connect with OCR and, and trying to balance how patient privacy will be used? Or do you take the position, as you took a few seconds ago, where you said, I don't think of them as patients because, A, we don't consider these medical devices in some cases, uh, or they're exempt from the way medical devices would be classified. Um, and and how do you reconcile that? How do you work with intra-agency, if you will? Yeah, so OCR question is a really interesting one. And I think uh, if I were to guess, I think OCR also is struggling with that exact same question, is, right. is where does a personal data uh, stop and where does health information personal data start? Right, now, right. Those lines are blurred, right? I mean, you and I wearing, you know, a activity monitor in your arms or your, you know, uh, thing that tells you time um, and does other things uh, might uh, might be collecting information that may not necessarily be helpful, but just motion related. But if uh, but as you start thinking about you know something that's used in a study for clinical trials, for example, now you're automatically in the realm of uh, connecting the dots to a health part of that equation. And I think that's something that we want to make sure that people are kind of clear on like how they should start thinking about. Now, you know, on on social media, people share a whole bunch of things. Right. Um, sometimes even health information, but that's like voluntarily shared, right? right. I think it's the, it's, it's the concept that people, and it was, I, I can tell you my colleagues in OCR have done a phenomenal job in clarifying when and when does it, when does the law does not apply or applies right. or how should it be applied? So I think it's it's an it's an evolving field for sure. Um, I think our tolerances as humans as the health system um, about where this line are going to be drawn is 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 somewhat solid, but it's also fluid at the same time. So so that makes sense now from an interagency standpoint. As you start getting into a more global level, most of these agents uh, most of these agencies are not working at a country by country level anymore. I mean, mm -hmm. FDA is working with EMA, is working with Health Canada, with um, all these other agencies, the Indian FDA, for example. My, my question to you is, with countries like Health, uh, with 
with the regimes like Health Canada or um, EMA having to follow things like GDPR. Does that impact how you start looking at what is the appropriate globalized um, formulation of what we're going to consider as an appropriate way to regulate devices? Because are, are we going to think, here's what applies to us, you guys can figure out what the best way is? Yeah, I think the same concept I mentioned between CDRA, CDR, and CBER is the exact same scaled concept between countries. Okay. Um, so uh, you may aware, you may be aware of this, like uh, IMDRF is International Medical Device Regulators Forum, is exactly the forum where we can solve every individual jurisdiction's loss, uh, laws that sort of drive their regulations, but we can drive to principles that can be commonly applied to their individualized laws and regulations. So that's sort of the goal, right? I think we we are we are not going to be a a single uh, regulatory uh, structure across the globe, but right. I think everybody strives towards doing that. So G GDPR um, concept, the privacy concept, even though. Um, it is, it is prominent in, in the other continent, um, I think those same principles apply to us or to other countries. Um, however, I think as businesses, you, you can imagine that if you're gonna do business in that other continent, you probably don't want to create duplicative work. And so you might wanna just reuse some of the same mechanisms or same expectations that you know essentially will suffice. And there might be some deltas that people have to sort of Work with, work with, but that's that's about it, right? So, which which raises this interesting question, which is you're now going into at a global level, and you're having these interesting how do we how do we reconcile principles at this global level? My my question to you is um, that that brings out the concept of the one FDA. Yeah. And and the principles of how do you reconcile that? How do you bring that? That single voice to so an agency that regulates, I believe it was $2 trillion last time I read. So how do you, as, as part of that process, help reconcile, reconcile a one FDA? Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to tell you that it's still in a work in progress, right? So it's, right. Uh, um, it's plus also it's, I mean, some of the work that we're doing in digital health does not really apply to other parts of the agency. To the, to the larger sort of mission of the agency and the products that we regulate. But CDR, CBER, and CDRH are like the primary candidates for, for making sure that we are on, on the same page. And one of the things that the Center of Excellence and the launch of the Center of Excellence sort of initiated is the concept of, you know, what are some common challenges? What are some common policy challenges? What are some common technological challenges? Because now digital health technologies are becoming a feature in every products that we are seeing, right. um, or FDA seeing, right? And now, um, um, interesting uh, anecdote, I mean, we, I didn't know this uh, uh, until recently when we started this Center of Excellence and we started collect, uh, asking people leadership from other centers, we, we, uh, we heard there's actually products that are known as Fitbit for animals. Oh, I didn't know uh, that actually. <laughs> um, and it's really interesting because it it is something that, uh, uh, that people are using for other outcomes, as you as you huh. may imagine. Yeah, um, I, I can so, see a whole Wagyu beef. Is is it really Wagyu if your cow walks too much? <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. So, um, 
but it, I think the bottom line is I think as we as we stand up the center of excellence, I think we are going to um, we are going to have to sort of start thinking how do you deal how do you what questions do we pose to technologies when presented to FTA and ours, are there some common questions that regardless of what product those technologies shows up and can be asked are, are common questions we don't need to ask. So. As you start thinking about the concept of the one FDA and you start thinking about common principles, I think of the the biggest problem FDA faces on such a consistent basis, which is on one hand, you don't want to be the agency that stops progress while knowing simultaneously that progress is happening much faster than any agency can control. On the other hand, you're the agency that's responsible of their safety issues. Mm -hmm. How do you at an agency level when you're coming up with new policies, especially for example, in clinical, in clinical research or in promotion or whatever it is, how do you help these groups think about how you guys want to regulate that? Like how, how, do, you, how do you come up with, with, with a way of saying, um, th we're gonna manage safety and efficacy and keep that balance going in an appropriate way? Huh, huh. well, I think this is the exciting part of digital health and the scaring part, scary part, right? Um, exciting part is like there's so many unknowns and so many greenfield opportunities for us to start thinking about and start thinking about how do we sort of make sure that that one FTA voice sort of goes across. But you also have to like respect sort of the the regulations that are for drugs versus devices are different. The way we regulate them, the rules that sort of govern the regulations are different. And that's kind of the place that we need to start start like figuring out uh, what that looks, because you don't want technology itself to drive like the original intentions of the regulations of, of making sure the products are safe and effective or efficacious, right? So I think that's the part that we'll have to, we'll have to sort of learn and find the right balance. I don't think it's gonna be one solution that fits all, but I think it's going to be a solution that we start off with a common foundation, but then you know, tweaked or sort of personalized for each other, each application for each centers. That's that's how I see the world. So so as as you're contemplating this and you're trying to think about how to bring these different voices together and you're creating that one FDA like we spoke. You you spoke about core group. You spoke about CDR, CBER, uh, and CBRH coming together. Do you do you see that as the initial core, and then you're going to keep adding to it? Or is it more important that you get broad buy-in and then going from there? I think it's it, it depends on the situation, right? I think the the guidance that we just put out was was a was a process in making where we had to get people bought in to some of the questions, some of the concerns, some of the and and as scientists scientists people wanted to know about everything about everything, and I think the the convincing part of the of the settlement part. Uh, was more about, you know, can can we assume certain things that are commonly known, and can we focus on things that are most important that can actually be helpful in the review process of the studies? And that's kind of what that that's kind of where we sort of see. And I think as as time goes on, I think we'll find a sort of a plateau of those questions uh, occur. And I think as we as we start moving forward, I think we will probably be much more efficient in doing that. Bukul, we can keep asking a thousand more questions to you. And, and the truth is you're fascinating and, and you're, you're full of inc incredible information. I could ask questions 
just off your bio and there'd be a hundred more. Um, but I think, like I said, we usually aim for these to be about 15, 20 minutes. We're already past that time. Um, I, we'd love to have you back if you'd be open to it. Um, but um, for now, a couple of basic questions. If people have questions about their devices, where can they go? Um, people should write to digitalhealth.fta.hhs.gov as you shared on the screen. I mean, if a team of people on my, on my group will actually take time to answer if there's an existing policy um, that matches your question. If not, we'll provide you with, um, uh, with a pathway to say, hey, talk to this group. That they may, that's your best next stop. Uh, or basically tell you, like, don't bother us because that's not part of our purview. Right. And, and do you, do you um, respond electronically or do you find you know, the more formalized route? Because one, one of the questions we all, everyone always wonders is, how long will that response take? Is this yeah, relatively usually, quick? Yeah, we usually try to respond. Our track record has been within 14 days. Wow. Okay. Wow. Um, Buckle, we, it was an absolute pleasure having you on. I do hope you'll consider coming back. Um, thank you again for coming on. And I do hope people see this, ask questions, and, and, and I'm excited to have you on again. Thank you, Darshan. It was a really pleasure. It was fun.